Hey guys, it's Corey from Redefining Strength. Welcome to this episode of the Fitness Hacks Podcast. Today I want to start by talking about fault versus responsibility. I'm then going to chat with Michelle about nutritional tips to help you handle those perimenopausal symptoms. After that, I want to talk about creatine, which ladies, it might be the best kept secret. We often think it's going to make us into the Hulk, but it's really important. I would then want to go into activating those glutes and some tweaks to mini band moves. So you can really make sure that you're actually getting those glutes to work. And then last, haters are going to hate. I want to talk about loving your body. So fault versus responsibility. The simple fact of the matter is it might not be your fault that something happens, but you can always take responsibility for what happens next. And if you're not willing to take responsibility, you're never going to move forward. It's easy to come up with the excuses. We all have them, but at some point we have to realize that yes, these excuses are valid. However, however we're going to move forward is up to us. We always determine whether we see something as an obstacle or an opportunity, and we can always be responsible for what happens next. So if you got a new diagnosis, if you know menopause has got you kind of down, if you just got an injury, if something happened that you can't control now, and it's not even your fault that it happened, you, you can't change the fact that you're gonna have those hormonal changes, right? Sometimes we can't change the fact that we slipped and we hurt something, right? We, we're not at fault for what happened, but ultimately we can either say, oh, I'm injured now, I can't do anything, and that's the responsibility we're taking for it, or we can say, hey, I can now dial in my nutrition a little bit more, or hey, I can take things back to basics and work on this foundation even though I'm injured, or hey, I can find ways to to move forward no matter what, right? It is our responsibility to decide how we are going to handle things. And this can be a little overwhelming, right? It's easier to blame things. We don't wanna be at fault, so to speak, because it feels like we're at fault for what happened. We don't wanna have to even take responsibility for the actions moving forward when it's not as fun or it seems really challenging or there doesn't seem to be a way forward based on what we've always done. However, we have to recognize that that's what keeps us stuck. That's what takes away agency from ourselves. Because really, we have to remember it is our choice, and that's empowering. Yes, we could fail. Yes, we might not be where we want to be. Yes, we might have to take that step back. But it is always our choice. There is always opportunity to learn, grow, and improve, and move forward. So accept responsibility, because only we can change our future. And I think it is really key that we do really truly own and recognize that we choose how we react, okay? I've seen people in the same situation be like, I'm injured, now I can't do anything. They gain 20 pounds, they end up in a worse situation. Or I've seen people say, hey, I'm injured, but I can change my nutrition, but I can now work on this foundation, and they come back even stronger. Yeah, sometimes because of shifts, we don't come back stronger. We aren't yet running marathons again, but we could find something else that we really enjoy, we have responsibility for ourselves, and that is a great thing, guys. So remember, while it might not be your fault that something happened, you can always take responsibility for what happens next, and you need to take responsibility for what happens next. You can choose to see it as an obstacle or an opportunity, so feel empowered knowing that you can make your future better, brighter, healthier, happier. So when we're talking about fault versus responsibility, you can't always control what happens, but you can always control what happens next based on how you choose to perceive things. All right, so if someone is entering the perimenopausal stage of life and I've had multiple clients say, my body feels like it's going berserk, what can I do? I wanted to talk with you, Michelle, about some nutritional tips that clients can implement to help with some of those symptoms and what they can even expect as they see these hormones shifting. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the big things that I see is oftentimes 
I get clients who are, are just very frustrated with results and things changing and everything just seems not to be working anymore. And this is really, is all gonna come, no big surprise, it's all gonna be caused by hormone shifts. But these shifts just aren't these little swings, right? They're big shifts where all of a sudden you can have your highest highs and your lowest lows during this perimenopausal state. And a lot of times I get uh, clients who are like, do I need to get tested? Do I need to figure this out? If you're having the symptoms, I would say as soon as you have the symptoms, let's start addressing your nutrition right now. And a big thing that I like to kind of sell, I guess, when it comes to changing up nutrition during this time is eventually you are going to hit that menopause stage. So utilizing this time not only is going to help your symptoms, fortunately, it's not going to get rid of all your symptoms, but it's going to help lessen your symptoms. But it's also a good way to start incorporating and learning those new eating habits that you're going to have to maintain later. So while your eating may still have to have some adjustments because you're going to have some highs, you're going to have some lows, still getting in the habit of working towards more of what your post-menopause diet is going to be, is going to be beneficial for you. And the very first thing that I am always going to recommend clients focus on is their protein first. So really just making sure that we are going to be in, increasing our protein intake a little bit higher than what we've been used to. And it, it's been kind of this thing where for a long time, it was like, oh, you know, you sat down for dinner and you had a giant piece of steak. Well, that steak would go to the, to the man, right? That would go, go to the, the spouse, the husband. But what we've learned is women actually need way more protein than what we realize, especially during peri perimenopause and menopause times. So really, this is the time where we get to be selfish and we get to keep the big steak on our plate. So when we have these hormone fluctuations, we are often going to be in this catabolic state. So our body is going to be breaking down muscle. It's going to be harder to actually building that muscle. So making sure that we're bumping up our protein is not only going to kind of protect that lean mat body mass that we have, but hopefully even make it so we're still able to build and grow and, and um, signal that kind of that muscle protein synthesis to occur. And especially during this phase, we have a lot of clients coming in who will be like, I'm gaining weight around my middle and I've never gained weight before there. And increasing your protein can help maintain that lean muscle mass, which can help keep that metabolic rate higher. And it can also help make sure that you aren't necessarily gaining more belly fat than you, know, you want, because who wants any? Yes. And the other benefit too is that um, a lot of women are going to be like, oh, I'm gaining weight. I need to cut calories, I need to cut calories. But if we, if we keep the same caloric um, level and all we did was shift our, our macros so that we are going to have a little bit more protein, you know, there is going to be the thermal effect of food. You're going to be burning a little bit more. So it's also that benefit of you're actually going to be burning a little bit more, just digesting that extra protein. And then we're not getting into this vicious, vicious cycle that I think many women hit when we hit perimenopause where they just are like, I have to cut. And then they hit full menopause and they're like, oh, I have to cut more. And we get to this dangerous low calorie level where metabolic adaptation is going to occur. We have clients that are eating 800 calories coming in and they're like, I'm not losing, I'm not in a deficit. And it's like, well, you got to now retrain your body a little bit, but that first focus on protein can really help so that you are 
building that lean muscle and not necessarily putting on fat during that process a little bit more to be able to restore that metabolic health. Yeah. And I do think a lot of women don't even realize that estrogen itself does have that muscle protein synthesis benefit. And so when we do start to drop, that is one of the reasons why it does become a little bit more difficult to put on muscle. So we do have to just, it's not impossible. And I'm not saying it is because I hate when people use these things as excuses as to why they can't do something. It's just really being a little bit more cognizant and focusing on the protein. It's meeting your body always where it's at, right? Change requires change. And so if we're focusing on protein, maybe we're working towards that 30% protein minimum of our daily calories coming from protein. What else can we sort of tweak in our diet to help handle some of those symptoms, see results? So a big thing that I recommend that I don't think really is out there enough or is advertised as enough as enough as it should be is actually focusing on antioxidants. And the reason behind this is with those huge hormonal shifts that you that we all deal with when we hit perimenopause, we it actually comes with those mood swings. Anxiety and depression are a big a big component when we hit perimenopause. Not to mention, let's be honest, most of us our body image is going to tank a little bit because all of a sudden our body's just looking different and clothes are fitting differently, and that can affect just our mindset itself. So really making sure that we are focusing on antioxidants that are going to not only help fight against that oxidative stress that our body's going to be under, but also making sure that we are using them to be able to kind of use as mood boosters too. We really do want to make sure that we are focusing on nutrition for our mental health because our mental health is such an important thing as we're going through this stage. And vitamin E in particular is a very powerful antioxidant and that has been actually shown to reduce symptoms like hot flashes and things like that. I think even talking about this is so key because it can feel like you're alone, like no one else is going through it. And that also can affect your mindset. And so knowing there are little things you can do to try and help improve, going back to the control what you can control is really key. Yeah. And I think you hit it hit it on on the head too when you said just talking about it understanding that other women are experiencing the same things and they're all just they're all experiencing these anxieties these depression these mood swings where you're like what is going on with me in my life and it's kind of helps so you're not getting into just a pity party where no one you know i'm a party of one no one has been here no one has dealt with this but it really is a stage that many women are dealing with and having to go through. And it's okay to not be okay some days. It's okay to have those days where you just feel off and you're kind of struggling, but it's important to recognize where those feelings may be coming from. And as silly as it may be, because I know in the moment when you're feeling like crap, you're not thinking like, oh, it's because my hormones are shifting and everything's kind of going crazy in my head. But if you can even kind of connect those dots a little bit, it makes things just a little bit more, I guess, so that you feel like you can endure things a little bit better. And the symptoms of perimenopause can start a lot earlier than a lot of people expect. And especially for women who do have those symptoms start earlier, there can be increased risks, especially in terms of like bone mineral density and other things like that. So I know there's some new like nutritional strategies we can implement to help with some of those things. Can you touch a little bit on that as well? Yep. So Calcium and vitamin D are going to be a big, big players when it comes to making sure that we are combating those bone loss that really does occur. Osteoporosis is a huge thing. And I, and I know this is something that a lot, um, 
a lot of people have kind of focused on when it comes to women health has always been bone health. And if you're like me when you were younger, it was like, oh, bones, like, okay, I'm good. I don't need to worry about stress fractures. I, I'm good. I have this under control. I lift weights. I do, I do the right things. But you really just aren't absorbing the calcium even enough and adequately enough. And this is really where vitamin D comes into play. So even if you have a high dairy, you know, you're eating all the calcium options that you can, whether it's from plant sources, dairy sources, it's really going to be that vitamin D that's going to keep you from actually absorbing, absorbing the necessary calcium to make sure that we are having strong bones. And we want to make sure we have strong bones. So we're not dealing with those hip, those hip um, fractures and breaks that occur that really set you back, not only on your nutrition journey, your um, physical health journey, but it's, I mean, it can be really mentally breaking when you are dealing with an injury that is going to limit you so much. So a big thing is making sure that you're focusing on that vitamin D as it's going to help absorb the calcium. And one of the things I hear often is, oh, but I live where it's sunny. I'm, I'm close to the sun. I'm outside all the time. I spend, I make sure I spend at least two hours outside in the sun. That's not good enough. And I always hate when I'm shattering people's like kind of dreams and hopes that way, because they're like, but I'm so good because I make sure I'm outside. One, the sun is not always going to be at the appropriate levels that you are actually going to be absorbing vitamin D from it. Two, aging of your skin plays effect on how much you're going to actually absorb from the sun. So just relying slow, solely on your sun exposure is not going to work because you're, you're most likely going to be um, dealing with older skin and just not um, getting actually as much as you believe you're getting. So really making sure that you're focusing on food sources. But when it comes to vitamin D, there's really not a lot of great food sources. So this is really where I recommend supplementing with both calcium and vitamin D, because again, you're going just to ensure that you're filling those nu nutritional gaps, which is why we supplement. It's not to take place it's not to take it um, place of whole food sources, but it is just to make sure that we are covering those gaps. And another big thing too is, and I know we mentioned it, but I'm going to bring it back to vitamin D has also, also does play a huge role when it comes to our mood swings. So really making sure that we're getting adequate vitamin D is going to be important there too. And the big thing is, is both calcium and vitamin D, um, needs increase when we age and this is and this is why is because it is so important to make sure that we are protecting the, that bone health and because it's actually harder for us to absorb the amounts that we need i love these tips there's something we can start implementing right away right focusing on protein making sure we're getting antioxidants even adding in those little supplements we can go on amazon and get them right but with all this none of it's going to be an overnight fix no and that is this is kind of the bonus tip right really make sure you're being patient because even if you have are given a macro ratio that you feel great on for a period of time your hormones can shift and all of a sudden you can not be hitting things as well at that ratio and this doesn't mean that all of a sudden it's not working or all of a sudden your ratio has been wrong the whole time it usually just means that your hormones have shifted so we need to just change things because you're going to have highs you're going to have lows and with that comes 
sometimes you're going to respond better to carbs and sometimes you're going to respond better to car to fats because that is what happens when our estrogen and progesterone kind of wane is we tend to be more fat adaptive when when we are dealing with lower levels I would do a fake cough to cover this, but this is why we track, right? Because then you can see, hey, this ratio did work, but now it's not working even though I'm still hitting it consistently. Or you can notice if you stop being quite as consistent, which can happen as well, right? We can get a little comfortable and then get a little less, you know, consistent in terms of how we're doing things. But by tracking, you can then adjust your macro ratios as your body changes because nothing does work forever. Yes. And I, it, like I said, it really is just important for you to recognize that and realize the why behind it, because I think we've all had clients kind of freak out and, be, and all of a sudden they're like, this isn't working. Nothing's working. Like you're not helping me when it's like, no, this was working. This is why we need to switch up. And this is why, you know, you get those clients that are like, wait, I was low carb. Now you're having me add carbs. Like, why am I going backwards? But this is really why is because our body's not standing still it's your body is going through this period of adjustment. And I know everyone thinks it's menopause that is really where all the troubles begin, but it's really this, this is the stage that is the hardest is that perimenopause because when you hit menopause, things are going on the decline. You're on the end of it. Things are, things are fine. Like we're actually like, that's actually the okay part, right? We know how to, to work when we get there. It's going to be this stage where there's going to be those ups and downs. And we really are kind of figuring out and having to continue to adapt our approach. So if you are feeling the symptoms of perimenopause, and your body feels like it's gone a little berserk, try these three nutritional strategies, but also just remember to give yourself grace. Your body is changing. You're going to need to adjust. It might be frustrating at points, but reach out because other women are going through this as well. Today, we're talking about creatine and ladies do not think that this is going to make you bulky. So if you're at all like me, I actually got really into heavy lifting because of Ryan, who's my now husband. But I didn't start out lifting myself necessarily, and I had some of the weight room myths that were perpetuated at the time. And on top of that, a lot of the supplements that I was introduced to first were what I considered for men. And only through my own research, only through more learning, only through you know diving in with helping other clients have I realized the importance of some of these things. And while supplements are supplemental, it is key we understand that especially for us ladies, not all these are meant for men, okay? They have lots of benefits for us. They are not gonna make us bulky. They are gonna help us reach our goals. Today, I wanna specifically touch on creatine because I think it's often thought of as like a hulking out supplement, right? For men building muscle and bodybuilders, but it's very important for us women as well, okay? So creatine, just for men. When you think about it, you think about bodybuilders gaining muscle and that's the first supplement that comes to mind. And with good reason, it's long been used to gain glorious lean muscle. Uh, because of creatine's popularity, it's been studied extensively, and it's one of the more researched supplements out there, which is a good thing. We know a lot about it. So the good part is quality creatine is safe for use by just about everyone. But that doesn't mean it will benefit you, at least in terms of gaining muscle. So now, what is creatine? Creatine is a mixture of three important amino acids, glycine, arginine, and methionine, and it does exist naturally within our bodies. The supplement is often like a flavorless powder that you can mix in with your water during your workout. It can also, creatine itself can be consumed through high protein foods such as red meat and fish, so you can get enough through your diet alone. 
It's meant to help fuel our muscles, produce energy quickly, which is why it is most often used to boost performance in the gym. Creatine is best taken with a carb source to raise insulin levels and optimize creatine uptake into your actual muscles, and it can be taken pre or post-workout, but it's most often recommended to be used within an hour of exercise. Part of why creatine can often be feared uh, is because it can cause water retention. It is key you drink enough water to ensure proper cellular hydration, but you will gain water weight with it. That's part of what helps you grow your muscles, but people can fear that fluctuation on the scale. So now what are the benefits of creatine? If you're eating enough red meat, if you're eating enough fish, you can easily get enough through food. So the question is, why would you then supplement? I mention often that the group that needs creatine supplementation the most are elderly, vegetarians, and even women, because these groups tend to not get enough through diet alone. Also, because of getting older and becoming less able to utilize proteins efficiently and some of the, the breakdown that happens as we get older, it can be even more important that we increase our intake. So while it's been proven to help with gaining muscle and boosting performance, there are also a lot of health benefits that aren't as frequently discussed by the so-called bros at the gym. Talking about creatine and its other benefits. Creatine can increase strength and power, increase work capacity, improve body composition, reduce the muscle mass loss with age, reduce bone loss, reduce fatigue. It can also improve metabolic health and improve brain functioning. So creatine can improve strength and power because it serves as an energy reserve for the body during short, intense bouts of exercise. It literally increases energy levels in your muscles by increasing phosphocreatine, which leads to an increase in ATP production. And ATP is the energy supply you need to work harder and increase your strength and power output. It can also increase your work capacity, uh, which means you can not only get more work done in less time, aka you get more out of your workouts, and maybe even not have to feel them as if they're as hard. So you still feel them, but they just don't feel as hard. Because your power and strength and work capacity see improvements with creatine, you can train harder and get more out of your training sessions. This is often why we see that greater muscle gains and therefore better body composition changes with people who do supplement with creatine or make sure they get enough. One study actually found that an extra two to four pounds of muscle gain during a four to 12 week program was possible with uh, creatine supplementation. It's also interesting to note that men tend to see bigger increases in lean body weight gains while women don't see a statistically significant weight gain, okay? So if you're fearing weight gain, you won't see a ton of weight gain, but we might actually see more fat loss from creatine supplementation. So the fear that creatine might make us bulky, well, it might actually be the opposite. We might actually find that it has more benefits, which I'm going to get into in a second, but might help with fat loss. Because creatine can improve muscle growth and strength, it also helps us retain lean muscle as we get older and stay stronger, which is so key because we can be at risk for fractures and falls and muscle mass loss. This muscle mass retention due to creatine supplementation may also be why it can help with bone loss as we get older. It can also be key that we combine that creatine supplement with weight training if we wanna see those results. So don't just think we can out supplement our actual training routine, not to mention we can't out supplement our diet. Creatine can help lower levels of depression as well by improving levels of neurotransmitters such as dopamine and serotonin. And creatine supplementation, when paired with an antidepressant studies, actually showed it augmented the positive effects of the medication. So I'm not saying to get off your medication or anything like that, but I do think it's really interesting to note that it can have that positive effect on our mood and state. And for proper brain functioning, creatine was also especially valuable for vegans and vegetarians because they're probably not getting enough from their diet alone due to not consuming red meat or fish.
okay? So now next, what are the downsides of creatine? In terms of the downsides, uh, weight gain, there's potentially some stomach issues that they have found, especially for people that bloat easily. It's expensive and you can get enough through your diet and not all supplements are created equal. So before you supplement with creatine, it's key that you often do recognize this weight gain when you see that increase on the scale. And it's not just because you're gaining muscle, uh, which is a nice side effect, but also because of the water weight that's gained during supplementation. And this is actually part of the process that helps you gain muscle and fuel your workouts. So just to note, it is not fat being gained when you see that fluctuation quickly up on the scale with creatine supplementation. You want to just note this because if you are bothered by those scale fluctuations, you may want to consider whether or not you really need creatine supplementation, especially if you are getting enough through your diet. Another common fear with creatine is whether or not it will impact your kidneys. Uh, studies have actually refuted this, although if you do have kidney issues, you always want to make sure that you're addressing any sort of health concern and you might want to avoid supplementing with creatine. The other fear is that creatine may cause diarrhea or cramping. And while this isn't common, you always want to watch for how you respond to anything and make sure you're increasing your water intake with increases in creatine consumption or even protein consumption. So always track what you're doing and make sure that it's not other changes as well. The more you can isolate one change at a time, the more you can really know how everything is impacting you. Okay. There are also different ways to use creatine supplementation, and you might want to avoid a loading period if you do tend to have stomach issues or are sensitive and easily bloat. But now it really comes back to, do you really need it if your diet is dialed in? And I will tell you, if you're eating a high protein diet and you aren't in a huge calorie deficit, nor are you really changing up your training or competing, you simply might not find creatine worth the money. It's also very important to note that not all creatine supplements are created equal. Creatine monohydrate is the most studied, so it would be the one that I would recommend you would go with. Now the question, should you specifically use it? If you aren't tracking and dialing your macros already, and if you aren't consistent with your workouts, do not worry about any supplements. Okay, focus on that first. That is what you need to go to. You need to build that foundation. These are the 1% that make a difference. Supplements are always meant to sort of fill in any nutritional gaps that we have. So when should you use creatine? If you're vegan or vegetarian, I definitely use it more often with those clients, especially if they're focusing on gaining muscle because they will struggle to get enough through their dietary intake, okay? If you are training hard and struggling to gain muscle as well, even if you are consuming animal proteins and a lot of red meat and fish, uh, and you found that your workouts are suffering from even being in a calorie deficit, creatine supplementation can definitely help, not only help you get more out of your training sessions, but build that lean muscle to make sure you're getting enough because that de uh, deficit often means we're not getting enough of anything, okay? Another reason is if you are, you know, getting older, uh, it can help prevent muscle loss and help you stay young and healthy, and it might be that boost that you need, because we do often need a little bit more. We don't think we need more because we're like, oh, I'm not an athlete, you know, I'm not training as hard, maybe even, but as we get older, because our body is less able to utilize things as efficiently, we do need to increase our intake at times, Okay. If you are specifically looking for weight loss, I wouldn't necessarily jump to creatine first, but if you are specifically looking for fat loss and you have that last little stubborn bit, it could really help, okay? Uh, there can be some bloat associated with it, especially to start, so you just wanna consider that as well and you might see that scale increase, okay? Creatine, amazingly too, ladies, might be even more important during our periods, uh, pregnancy, postpartum, even during post-menopause, okay? Hear me out with this. 
So creatine supplementation among premenopausal females appears to affect, uh, be effective for improving strength and exercise performance. In postmenopausal females, they might actually experience benefits in skeletal muscle size and function when consuming high doses of creatine, which is 0.3 grams per kilogram, and even see favorable effects in terms of, of bone uh, mineral density when combined with resistance training. So preclinical and clinical evidence indicates positive effects from creatine supplementation on mood, cognition, uh, possibly by restoring brain energy levels and homeostasis. Creatine supplementation may even be more effective for women uh, by supporting a pro-energetic environment in the brain. So it may also provide benefits at times in a woman's life where depression is more common due to hormone fluctuation. So that's why potentially even considering it postpartum or, you know, at times during your period can be really helpful as our mood is fluctuating. And then even if we are feeling a little bit more, you know, down on ourselves and our body, which can happen with the fluctuations of menopause, it might be something to consider. And then it can also help with that body composition when we are struggling to lose fat. So ladies, all in all, creatine is not just for men. And so if you've been fearing some supplements, especially if you got into training and supplementation the way that I did and thinking, oh, this was just for guys, it is most definitely not. And it might have even more benefit for you than your male counterparts. So now, how do you use creatine to your advantage? I wanna share a couple different ways that you can actually implement creatine supplementation. So there are lots of different theories on whether or not you need a loading phase. If you choose to do a loading phase, you may choose to supplement with 20 grams of creatine for five days, or even only 10 grams for 10 to 14 days. If you do find you retain more water more easily, uh, you may want to avoid such a sudden increase and do no loading phase. With the loading phase, you may want to break it up uh, so you're not taking all 20 grams together as well. Once the loading phase is done, uh, which is meant to fully saturate the muscles, you can drop to 2 to 3 grams per day. Some people will prefer to keep their supplementation at 5 grams per day, although that amount is probably not needed if you do consume red meat, especially regularly. Vegetarians uh, who don't potentially get enough uh, dietary creatine may choose to keep their dose at 5 grams per day. You can also choose not to do the loading phase at all and just choose to supplement with five grams for a month. Uh, that's also another way to introduce it into your system. Remember that if you do choose to use creatine, it isn't a magic fix if your diet isn't dialed in and you should track to see how the supplement affects you and adjust your supplementation accordingly. We can't out exercise or sorry, out supplement or out exercise a bad diet, just like we can't out supplement our workout routine either, right? And we can't necessarily out diet if we want muscle gains, the gym as well. Everything has to work together. It's all the systems basically is what I'm telling you here. Okay. So if you are looking for that little 1% difference, if you aren't getting creatine through your diet, if you are getting older, if you are struggling to lose fat as you're maybe entering even that menopause, postmenopausal phase, even in that perimenopausal phase and seeing those symptoms, it's always good to consider controlling what you can control and creatine might be the option that you need. Hopefully you found this helpful. And if you are considering creatine, now have decided whether or not you're doing a loading phase or just implementing five grams per day. And if you are considering taking creatine, I can't say enough about mine because it's pharmaceutical grade and the creatine monohydrate. If you use code fitnesshacks, you can get 10% off and start implementing creatine into your routine. I wanted to share some ways to get more out of those mini band moves when you're trying to activate your glutes. Because a lot of times we were doing the right moves but we're not seeing the full benefit of movements because of 
a little lack of attention to our recruitment patterns, right? We're trying to mimic proper movement patterns, make the move look correct, use correct form, but in doing so, we don't realize that sometimes we're not feeling the correct muscles actually powering the movement, and that's what leads to overloaded injury. So we wanna be intentional, and I wanna share some tweaks to help you get more out of those mini band moves. So whether you're using a mini band or a booty band, I really like to have the mini band or booty band above the knees. So you will see it used lower down, but often when we start to use the lower down, we start to push out with our feet. We start to really bow at the knees. When it's here, it's a lot easier to focus on really pushing out using our glutes, okay? So instead of getting ego and putting it down lower, if you need to go a little heavier, but put it above your knees, especially to help with that focus on the glute medius. Now, if you're doing any sort of forwards, backwards walks or side to side walks, and you're going like, woo, it burns and you're rubbing right here, that is not your butt cheek, okay? That is a TFL compensating. You wanna think about the side of your butt, okay? The side of your butt really working, even putting your hand there when you're doing these things to feel it. And then when you're doing this move, think about leading with the glutes, okay? So don't even focus necessarily on pushing out of the band because that's where we can get bowing, rocking out on our feet, and that's where we start to compensate more. Also note, are you turning your toes out to either overuse your piriformis or feel your TFL? But note, where do I feel working? And then you can even use that cue of putting your hands. Put the band above to start, okay? Especially to help you establish that mind-body connection. If you only have one resistance, you can always play around with exactly where on your legs as long as you can keep that focus. But putting it there can help you focus on leading with your glutes when you do this. And then focus on pressing the entire foot into the ground, whether you're walking forwards or whether you're walking to the side. Be conscious, am I starting to rock out? Am I starting to push with my knees instead of actually using those glutes? Even as weird as it sounds, trying to think about pushing your heel out just a little bit more than your toe can really help because the TFL contributes to external rotation in our lower leg, so that toe turning out. So that little slight internal rotation, not going pigeon-toed or anything crazy, but that little slight thing about leading with your heel can help you prevent actually overusing that TFL and make sure you're using those glutes. So again, if you're doing mini band moves and you're feeling them right here, okay, you're feeling your low back, take things back to basics, go lighter. Remember the purpose of this movement too. When you're doing it for activation to establish that mind-body connection before you go into your runs or your lifts or whatnot, you wanna think about making sure that you're actually feeling the glutes work, okay? So that means not fatiguing the muscles. So going light just to create that pump and burn isn't a bad thing, right? We're not trying to fatigue it because if we do, then it's gonna be so tired that we're not gonna be able to get it to work in the other movements. So remember the purpose here isn't to go super heavy, but establish that mind-body connection. And the stronger, the better mind-body connection you have, the less resistance you actually need to actually be able to feel it because you're focused on contracting that muscle. But focus on pressing down into the ground, leading with your glutes, using that band up higher. If you are listening to this, make sure to check out the video to see the demos of this and really help you cue those movement patterns. Because again, it's not just mimicking proper form, it's actually getting the underlying muscles, those recruitment patterns, the key muscles working to power the movement so we're not compensating. Haters are gonna hate, plain and simple. I can tell you that I get very interesting comments, uh, feedback about myself that I never necessarily wanted on a daily basis. I've been told I look like a man, I'm too skinny, I'm too muscled, I'm doing steroids, I'm sloppy and my hair is frizzy, I don't even wear lipstick. Last year, kind of true. Don't really brush my hair sometimes and I don't wear lipstick. But people are going to share their opinions, okay? 
we have to focus on pursuing what matters most to us, okay? If you wanna look a certain way, if you want certain lifestyle habits, you can't feel apologetic for them. Because A, no matter what you do, there's gonna be some critique. I've gotten literally on the same photos, you're too skinny and you're too muscular all at the same time because it's their interpretation of what aesthetic they want, right? So I have to stay true to me. And I'm bringing this up because you're going to get feedback along your journey, whether or not it's you know pursuing an aesthetic goal or an aesthetic goal, or even you know how you're pursuing your work-life balance, there's always going to be feedback on that. And it's key to remember that ultimately, the only opinion you have to live with for the rest of your life, because you can shun those people, cut them out of your life, whatever else you wanna do, the only person's opinion that has to matter is your own, because you have to live with yourself. So I wanted to tie this into our standards of beauty and our feelings about being beautiful. Because a lot of times we do put our self-worth in achieving a specific goal. I will be beautiful when I hit a X or Y, Z aesthetic, right? Or, hey, I will be successful when I achieve this, right? We put it in that end result. But ultimately, even achieving that, we won't feel that way if we haven't chosen to feel that way. You have to see yourself as beautiful because you feel empowered through making those changes. You have to see yourself as successful because of how you're embracing being uncomfortable in a new way, right? It is not easy to be comfortable being uncomfortable when we're doing all these different changes, but that's empowering. And so I think recognizing the the challenges that we'll face, the challenges we've overcome, the strength we're building through everything, even the fact that we're willing to put ourselves out there is what can help us see our beauty. Reaching a specific goal will never define you, okay? You're just gonna want more when you get there, and that's not a bad thing. That's the beauty of life, that we can always constantly learn and grow and improve. I mean, I look back at videos I shot at the time that I was like, yeah, these are so awesome. They're so much better than they were before. And I look at them like, did I really do that? Right, you know, because I'm constantly learning and improving, so I'm always gonna see the flaws. So the second you reach a goal, A, you're gonna start to get used to seeing yourself that way, so it won't look better then anymore but also you're gonna want something else because you now have shown yourself how much more is possible. So remember that believing you are beautiful is A, pursuing what matters to you, right? And when we can confidently pursue something that matters to us, we are gonna feel better about ourselves. But also those struggles, the things that feel right now like something you can't overcome, that's what makes you feel empowered. That's what makes you feel better about yourself, proving to yourself your own strength. So people are gonna give you their opinions and you've gotta remember that you're staying true to what matters to you and that our feelings of beauty come from embracing being comfortable being uncomfortable. They are from overcoming those struggles and from finding empowerment through that. So beauty is more of something that we build through what we've overcome over reaching a certain aesthetic. Confidence is something we build through what we overcome over reaching a specific goal. So as much as we wanna have those outcomes, remember to really embrace and celebrate your process because that is what makes you special, that's what makes you unique, that's what makes you better, and that's what shows you your beauty and strength. There is a wrap on another episode of the Fitness Hacks podcast. Hopefully you guys found it helpful. Share with me what you learned from this episode. I'd love to hear what your biggest takeaways are.